Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love, and you can sponsor this show very easily by going to patreon.com slash amberunmasked. And what you get when you sponsor my work, because it's the show and my books and um, the blog, is you get um, to have all of that information first, and you get to find out news first, and things like uh, the Adventures with Gus chapters that come out. They've been coming out every week, so backers get to read those first, and then they get released to everybody else. So joining me today, while we are talking about Adventures with Gus, we are going to be having an entire catastic episode. Episode with Margaret Chavetta and Brooks Peck, who are, um, you know, half of the creative team behind the Unadoptables. Welcome! So I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for Thanks. having us. So I um, I came across your comic, The Unadoptables, because of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I want to make sure that we talk all about Kickstarter sure. and the story and the artists that are involved, um, because I, uh, I have down Beth Morell as like the main artist, but yep. then you have Autumn Haynes as the color and graphics. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. So I want to know how you guys started this project because, um, you have a really interesting backstory yourselves. <laughs> so, um, so I, I just, I, it's, it's so easy for me to spend an hour talking about cats. Yep. So, oh, heck yeah. you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, um, you know, and I'm, uh, hopefully you'll have time to see the adventures with cats. For sure. <laughs> um, so the Unadoptables, um, was funded on, on Kickstarter and you even hit some reward goals and everything. So I want to hear about how, how this came to be? Well, about was it two years ago? Or Getting there now. Yeah, I almost don't really two know. years ago, um, we got cat fever, and yeah. we were like, "Okay, we need we not, need cat." Not cat scratch fever. That's totally different, yeah, yeah, but, no, no, totally different. We were like, "We need a little cat baby," um, and so we moved into an apartment where we could get a cat. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I was very strict. I was like, "Okay." We're going to get a male, no females, because I'd had bad luck with females in the past, um, and no kittens, because I didn't want um, cords chewed. Um, mm-hmm. And so what we ended up getting was a one female and one kitten. Yeah, I mean, the other rule was one cat only. Yeah, yeah. So we got two cats, and then we got the two kinds of cats I didn't want. <laughs> and so when Yeah, that sounds exactly like my last story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Is you're like, oh, no, I'm going to get a perfect cat, and... That's just not what you get. Well, I think, I mean, the crazy thing for us was we, I thought it would be easy to find a cat mm-hmm. to adopt, but it took us months. Yeah. Months and months. And we drive like a half hour to a place because we saw a profile of a cat. We're like, oh, this cat looks great. And either the cat was just, you know, a dud or yeah. or they were already gone, like somebody had already adopted them. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'd kind of get there and it'd be like, wah, wah. Um, a lot of them, I mean, that was the thing. A lot of them were, if they were there, they were they were just super unfriendly. Like, I'll never forget uh, Michael, who <laughs> would, Michael. when he saw you, would literally turn his back and face the corner rather than interact. <laughs> yeah. Just this tiny little kitty, you know, go to hell, and emanating. <laughs> and, of course, there's the very sad stories about the very cute ones that are... Um, very very sick mm-hmm. or the very old ones very very old and but really it all what got us was the pair bonding thing yeah so i came across um the perfect cat a kitten 
um, Newt, we named him. Um, but he was pair bonded with a cat named that we named Ripley. Uh, and I, when I first met her, um, I watched her. She'd just gotten there, so she was all freaked out. And I was watching her try to escape the room, and she climbed up on these shelves and was trying to get through. There's, there was kind of like a cargo net on the ceiling, and she ended up falling. She, oh, no. she hit her head on a shelf, flipped over, uh, fell on another cat, beat that cat up, and then a volunteer came in to see if she was okay, and she ran out the door. And I didn't tell Brooks any of this. When I when I made him leave work early to come meet the other cat Newt, I'm just like she has a lot of personality, and he's like, well, okay. And so we took him home um, because Newt couldn't go home alone. That was the deal. Yeah, yeah, Newt we had to take had him. to be together. So. Um, and so it was just this whole process of um, trying to find our cat, and we got cats, and then poor Newt died two months later. And then, oh, no. yeah, I know, I know, yeah. our poor Newt, he yeah. has something called FIP, and there's just, it's yeah. one of those things, you can't do anything about it. Um, no. And so we were kind of like, I remember feeling a little worried that Ripley might have gotten it too, and she might get sick, but I looked at her, and I'm like, nah, she's one of those cats that's going to live forever, uh, just out of spite. <laughs> um, and so, yep, we've had her ever since, and, and she became... Like, the whole experience plus her just became the inspiration um, for the comic. Because one day, Brooks was like, I have this idea of a story um, about all these cats living together. Um, and that's just kind of when it was born. Yeah, the ones, that, that was the core of it. I was Suddenly, I was like, what's, what's life like for those cats that are never going to get taken home? But are just always in the shelters. I mean, it sounds very sad. I, of course, thought, well, we could take a humorous approach to this. Right. And that's, and that's a tricky uh, thing to do as far as writing goes. I mean, you know, when you look at uh, cartoons like Toy Story, you know, it's like they have these epically sad moments. Mm. And at the same time, you know, you know that it's endearing and heartful and, um, you know, you still laugh. Yeah, like we had to be careful because when we first um, started creating our characters and describing them to our artists, she would send us sketches of just these mangy, horrible looking cats and it was because the way we we had to really think about the way we were describing them and we had to make sure it was adorably unadoptable a little a little less mangy as opposed to just outright disgusting yeah yeah yeah. and so we had to really think about um you know how to talk about them in a way where we are looking at the humorous side we are having these great stories about you know marginalized cats and whatnot (laughs) There's this cat on Pet Finder that I saw the other day, and there's a couple of them that only have one eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize how common this was for cats to have such eye problems. And so there's one named Captain America, <laughs> and he's just like this gorgeous, like sort of, you know, Siamese pointed oh. cat. And I'm like, oh, he's just amazing looking. But then there's this one called Mallory who's this long-haired cat I love with one, hair. One, eye, one eye, no tail, because that got taken Aww. off. And she has this, like, survival story that, like, some people are really, really great at writing the pet finder things. And yeah. Other people yeah. Like, yeah. you know, female cat, all shots, you know, like, yeah, that's, yeah. like that's all that right. Um, so I was just like, I saw the cat Mallory, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most badass cat in the world. I'm like, you know everything in my power to not run out and get her. Yeah. 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 It's dangerous uh, scrolling through the listings. Yeah. 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 The little one-eyed ones, they always have such a cute look, like 
plate. A little head cocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. They huh? do. Like, yeah, there's one called SpaghettiO on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like that kind of Persian with the masked in face. Yeah. And like, uh. so it's already like, it's already like all this long, raggedy, black and white hair. That's, and like, they you know, then this, this, this winky. Yeah, look yeah, with yeah. The tilted head. And he's just. It's the funniest looking cat. You just have to smile. There's a, a cat bow tie company I follow, and one of their models is a tabby with one eye. I always like, like his pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you do. You feel bad, and you want to, you know, like, figure out how you can take them all home. And, yeah. You know, I, so I've gotten to know a couple people who have done uh, animal fostering, whether it's puppies or kittens, and, and Sarah Donner in particular, she, you know, like, the the bottle feeding of some of these babies and it's like they have to be fed every three hours and then you have to help them poop by like rubbing their bellies and it's like you're really taking over mom duty yeah yeah and it's just so hard like man bless the people that do this fostering because this is that's hard work such Mm. commitment i mean it's great commitment yeah yeah I can't imagine what our lives would be like if we had to actually take care of the cats we write about because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. some of them are awful. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these cats because, like, you know, there's there's one in, in the cone. and Yeah, you know, yeah. we started with, yeah. with sort of what we were kind of thinking of as, as unadoptable archetypes. Yeah. You know, so a very we, that's, we began with, like, all right, we need, like, let's have a very sickly cat and let's have um, a cat that is just gross and drooly and doesn't really uh, clean himself up and stuff and let's have a very elderly cat and things like that and and then we begin to layer on sort of personalities and 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 what they're about so yeah there's babaloo she's um she's always ill but she always sort of relishes it in a strange way she has this grim determination in life uh, you describe her better actually do i um well like i think she's she, I think we've described her as kind of being resigned, but also like, yeah, still determined. Like, I mean, she's always she's always surprised every time she wakes up alive, basically. <laughs> so in a certain sense, she has like this, in your face, kind of. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean, so she has a somewhat defeated attitude, but also uh, appreciates life. Yeah. Defiant, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Defeated and defiant. Like, hey, I woke up today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take <Right>. that. <laughs> Then there's Jelly. Jelly is the is the sort of gross, uh, gross mangy cat who. Um, no, he's not mangy. We had to. Oh, right, he was right, mangy right. the first round of sketches, but now That's he's right. not mangy. Yeah. He's he's, he's Julie. He prefers to live and sleep in the litter box. It's just where he's most comfortable. Yeah. And honestly, he's mostly based on my college roommate's personality. I, yeah. I haven't yeah. told him that yet. Yeah, but. and his cat traits come from a, a few of them come from a cat that was my sister's cat and I lived with him for a while and he's the type of cat that likes to need you like he'll need your chest yeah. and it's like oh that's so cute but then this really gross sticky drool yeah. comes out yeah, of his mouth and it. just like you know <laughs> you know drop drips on you and it gets on your hand and you're like wow my god um and then my brother's girlfriend had a cat named Gorilla um, who she didn't clean herself very much. And so if you went to pet her back, it was just kind of, you, you pull your hand away and you're like, blah. Um, yeah. yeah, when they get old, sometimes they just stop the cleaning. Yeah, and, yeah. and she had some arthritis in her back too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was hard for her to get back there. Um, and then we have our pair bonded yeah. cats, which is what the first issue is centered around. Um, mm-hmm. Vincent 
uh, a sort of Maine Coon mix, and then Marmalade, who's a, a orange tabby Scottish fold. With that adorable giant eye. Yeah. Yeah, she has a sort of superpower uh, and able to yes. turn herself into a manga character in some ways. <laughs> so Marmalade, of course, you know, if she weren't pair bonded to Vincent, would be scooped up in a second. She's a, she's yeah. a great little kitten, but no one wants to take uh, Vincent, who no one even knows how old Vincent is at yeah. this point. Um, and it's not like he's particularly ill or anything. He's just... Yeah. He's just awfully decrepit. But I enjoy uh, their relationship a lot because, you know, in the comic, they we the cats uh, talk to each other, but they can't talk to humans. You know, it's not like a, a Disney film or something. And and we, in the first issue, learn a lot about, about Marmalade and, and Vincent's, um, how they interact with each other, what they're about. She's just incredibly devoted to him. And she has all these fantasies about the ways they're going to conquer the world. And he is is just quietly tolerant and and encouraging, but you can tell deep down he knows he's resigned. Yeah, he's like, man, we're not dreams. getting out of here. Yeah. But he but he supports her big dreams and her and her spunk. Um, and should we tell her about? No, to you. <laughs> okay, uh, and I didn't realize it when we were creating um, these characters. And one day Brooks um, pointed it out to me. He's like, well, you know, they're us. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like it's me and you, because Brooks is 16 years older than me. And when uh, we met, I'm, you know, the spunky young one. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna make all these awesome projects and take over the world. And he's like, uh huh. <laughs> 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 but we did it, you know. So uh, we made a couple awesome projects, and oh, Unadoptables yeah. being one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but I mean the the relationship between Vincent and I love that his full name is Vincent Vontos yeah. because I think I think cats need like you know names that really suit them. Yeah, um, so Vincent Vincent Vontos and Marmalade and uh, you know and I think it was in his little bio where it says like you know he would willingly stay there alone if you know for Marmalade to get adopted and, and it's just like. You know, she just won't. I know, I do. It's actually um, when I when we finished the script and I read through it, I got a little reclamped at one point. Uh, I can't give anything away because we we haven't released those pages yet. But it's it's a good story. Brooks wrote a really good story. Aww. That's good. Uh, but see, it's true. Writers put themselves in their characters, even if they're cats. For I mean, sure, and you yeah. don't even realize you're doing it no, until later. It's totally unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you've also got um, Nigel and Cat the Ripper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> well, so Nigel's um, a, a weird one. He's a mysterious cat. Um, he is a perfect cat. He just seems absolutely perfect. Um, he's sweet. He cuddles. He's clean. Um, very dapper. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever unknown reason, whenever he gets adopted Which out. Which is frequent. <laughs> yeah, frequently he gets adopted. Yeah. But then the next day uh, they return him. And just kind of back out of the store slowly, uh, and and nobody ever says why. And so we're not sure, you know, if we'll ever reveal the mystery or not. But there there's definitely something behind behind that strange cat. Mm-hmm. Which just knowing that it's that there's something there it makes it funny. Like not knowing yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to bringing him out more, uh, exploring his character more yeah. in in the next issue. Uh, and then there's. There's Ripper, Cat the Ripper, obviously uh, 
based on our Ripley. I think the thing we didn't mention about Ripley is um, her insatiable need to play and use her claws and <laughs> yeah, and she's. <laughs> She jumps and she fights. I mean, we've we've made a lot of progress with her over the past. Oh, couple, for sure. I mean, she she totally cuddles with us and and everything. Yeah, which now. I never thought would happen. But she still um, attacks us, and she's just started this new thing. I didn't realize I was cueing her to it, and so I'm starting to to work on not cueing her to this kind of play where she just sort of like all out jumps, like arms spread, mouth opening. She kind of snarls a little and just kind of like jumps on me and, and, and bites me. And her tail is flicking back and forth. Like she, she loves it. She's just like, yeah, this is how I want to play. But I'm just like, I only have so much blood, Ripley, yeah. and yeah. taking it <laughs> yeah. from me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we uh, we marathoned My Cat from Hell, like all the month, And then I read Jackson's book. And, um, like his actual memoir book. And it's just like, it, you know, he talks about working in the shelter and, and it was a kill shelter and that was like his first job was to Jeez. help euthanize, oh, you know, yeah. the animals and stuff. Well, and, it's, it's something about like, Seattle oh, too, I think, that helped us, um, create this cat cafe in this world is like, I don't think there's many or any kill shelters around here. Not nearby. Not nearby. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, there are these cats. They just, they get to continue to exist and have personalities, and you get to meet them all. Well, cat cafes are really popping up everywhere. There's one that, that just opened in South Jersey in Asbury Park. I think they call it Catsbury Park. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I know there's a uh, meow parlor in New York. So um, it's just, it's a great, wonderful thing, especially for people like I know that you've written in a human character with allergies and you know so some people can't have them because their kids are allergic or they have an apartment where they can't have them whatever they're mm-hmm. or they're demanding jobs you know and it's just a really cool thing to think that you know people people can go get, get that furry comfort if they need it and then you know meanwhile people who have the means can adopt them you know, yeah, I yeah. think it's a great, yeah. a great oh, no, idea. I, I, I want, yeah, I would love to like open my own someday. But you know, I, I, there's buildings around here that are, you know, I think would be perfect. It's like, oh, it only takes a half a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how about that? <laughs> yeah, we have one coming to our neighborhood. Um, uh-huh. They announced it. I don't know when it's going to open. It's sort of been a little delayed, but um, yeah, but we're, I mean, yeah, we're going to be. You know, regulars, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. In, the, in the comic, we take some liberties because, of course, here in America, they have to keep, um, or at least food. in Washington, food and cats separate. But we just yeah. were like, oh, we'll have to take a little license and let the cats just meander in the whole thing. Yeah, because um, yeah. it's funnier that the cats sure. can sneeze it in their is. drinks yeah. and stuff like that. It is, and you know, I mean, same thing with bodega cats. Like, I don't know if you follow that Twitter, but um, oh yeah. The you know bodega cats in New York are just a thing. Like they're just they're nobody cares. Nobody cares that they're laying on the package of dro- you know rice that's inside a plastic bag, or if they're you know laying on the Pepsi's or something. Yeah, they're just they're just there and they're part of it and they're not supposed to be. But it was so it it was just such a different world when I was in Europe and the dogs just come right into the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like it's just a perfectly normal thing to bring your dog with you when you go out for beer. I think Istanbul um, 
has like a really well taken care of stray cat and dog population where they actually like feed them. I know they trap yeah. the dogs and like vaccinate them and fix them and stuff, but they can't do it the cats because it's way too hard. <laughs> uh, well, is this is this where they made the documentary? Yes. About? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I did. I did remember the. You know, by by that. coincidence, uh, they're screening that this Sunday here uh, in Seattle. And oh, we're gonna go. oh, that's right. Is that yeah. the Cat Day? Cool. National yeah, Cat Day. Yeah, National oh, yeah we're going to that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, well, the thing about bodega cats, I mean, they're great for keeping the vermin down. That's kind of, I'm sure, was exactly. the original idea, uh, and so it's a little short-sighted, I think, to. Um, to, to draw that separation. I'm big on uh, museum cats because I work in the museum field and right. uh, there's one in, in, in Brooklyn at the Transit Museum because, of course, the Transit Museum is in an old subway station that's no longer used. There's no way they're going to keep the rats out of the museum, so they've got a cat in the museum and it's just there and takes care of things. I love it. It interacts with the visitors and stuff. It's so cute. I love that because I think there's one that's like officially like the the official cat of one of the London undergrounds or something because huh. there's one who works at like the prime minister's house like he's <laughs> like there and sits on the step and gets photographed every day like that's right. the cat's job <laughs> and then there's, then there's one that's like works in in one of the subways and so and so they officially like named this cat and like gave him a twitter feed and everything there was um there i i don't know where in the world or what the name of this cat was but there was a cat in a neighborhood somewhere that would always um sit with its arm up on a on a stoop and then when it finally when it eventually died they had a statue made of it Aww. in that yeah. same spot i was like oh my god Aww. so cute oh that's perfect that's so sweet so with um but with your the artistic license that you've taken with with having the the cats around food and stuff so you've got um it, you you described Hank I think it's Hank originally mm-hmm. as like um like a crazy old cat lady trapped in the, <laughs> this body this giant man yeah giant man with yeah. an inner cat lady, inner cat lady. Yeah, yeah 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 Hank is um. He's another one. I, God, there's so many. I want to get to all these characters immediately, but I can only take them in, in turn. Yeah. Hank is a former uh, animal behaviorist, mm-hmm. and he was a he was a researcher and scholar, but he just wanted to give all that up. Oh and, yeah, academia is the worst. And uh, that's live, a little bit of me. That's a little yeah, bit of me. Yeah. <laughs> and live with his cat. So so he actually it will be eventually revealed that he has an apartment upstairs from the from the cafe, and um, which is totally decorated in in cat stuff yeah and he's i don't know that's that's most of him he he's a little better with cats than people so yeah yeah so he's great with the cats and he struggles with his staff yeah Uh, customers not that he's bad to them or anything but he's just shy and um yeah just easier with cats yeah okay and then i know that you um uh, you later introduced the second main human character, Yasmin. <laughs> yeah, Yasmin. Yep. Yeah. Um, she, uh, we wanted like a younger character, like somebody in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we came up with the idea, like, you know, they all have to have something. Like every character has to have something going on. So we're like, what's her deal? And that's where we came up with the allergies. Um, yeah. In our, so we had this, like, this document just we wrote for ourselves. It's sort of a sort of a, a Bible for the uh, 
series. And for all the characters, we list their uh, cat affinity, <laughs> which is a, a number from one to a hundred. And you know, Hanks is is awesome. It's probably a ninety, but but uh, Jasmine's is like a, a one ten. Yeah, and she yeah. just freaking Aww, loves cats. Yeah. And and of course her life is torture because she's so allergic. Yeah. Um, and she's not permitted to have cats at home because of that and all this kind of thing. So. Okay, so is that something that you like? You personally had to to deal with at some point, or you you know you knew like we were talking about the whole purpose of of visiting cat cafes. Sometimes is that you know if a family member is allergic, so. Um, we, like how you came up with an allergy is we um we don't have cat allergies. I remember when we were visiting your friends from the, the Netherlands, Dor- Doris. Oh yeah, Doris. I mean, like we were staying in a a little place where the cat wasn't allowed inside the place. It was an Airbnb, um, it, but it was allowed around. The but cat it, lived next door. Yeah, but it wasn't allowed inside. Um, and so we had him inside, and he was so sensitive to cats. He just, I mean, he was try. He tried so hard, yeah, you know, yeah. to have a conversation with us. But he was sneezing and tears in his eyes, and you know, we just had this thought, like, moments. like how can, how sad is it that yeah. he's that yeah. allergic to cats yeah. and he can't, you know, love cats? cats. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we had to leave. Yeah, we, we were like, okay, let's go to dinner. Yeah. We're not going to torture Aww. you. Because I was, um, I had heard from a friend of mine. Um, uh, who sent me a picture of her cat. It was absolutely stunning and, and beautiful. And it's a, it's a Siberian. Uh-huh. And um, because it was one of those things where she looked, uh, her cat looked so similar to my old cat. And mine was a Himalayan. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I got a Siberian because of my allergies. And these are low allergen cats. Ooh. So I was like, oh, that's a thing. So I looked it up. And, and sure enough, there's like eight types of cats that are considered low allergen. There's like the and sheep cat, right? Well, there's like the Rexes, like the Devon Rex. Is that the one with the yeah, sheep? They don't have, yeah, they don't have... Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but there's like the Siberian and the Balinese. And, I mean, the Balinese is a gorgeous cat, too. Um, now, I don't know if uh, why a Siamese... I saw a Siamese on the list, and I thought, well, that's pretty odd. Um, but I've always wanted a Siamese cat, and I, I still do. And... Um, my my Himalayan was had the vocal cords of one, but she only <laughs> yeah. she only let it out like if she panicked and thought she was alone, and, yeah. uh, and it got it got more and more as she got like really old and basically like dementia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but because I didn't even know that she meowed for years, I didn't even know until I had a neighbor tell me like it sounds like you have a screaming toddler. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, no, oh, no. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, my cat doesn't even meow, and he's like, oh yeah, oh no, she yells. <laughs> and then I heard her. So it's like, I mean, I got her when she was six, and I for like years I had no idea, and so now I have Gus. And he was just like, he's just a black cat with a couple white puffs on him, <laughs> taken off the street and was at the, like, at the pound. Like, it's not even a fancy shelter. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the township pound. Oh, wow. And they were really nice people there. So sweet. And, um, like, the woman, the one in particular who was in charge, 
knew the personalities and like the makeup of every single animal. And she would just be like, you know, she would ask me what I wanted and what I looked for. And it was like, I saw this giant Maine Coon with these green eyes. I'm like, him, he's perfect. He's awesome. He's beautiful. She's like, no, he's not for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so she, you know, so she ended up pulling out Gus and, um, you know, and he, I was just like, all right, well, I, I picked up three cats and and then came back with my family and was like, okay, um, you know, I, I was too distraught with mourning oh, yeah. and everything yeah. that I'm like, I can't make this decision. And then this cat, like, licked my face, and they're like, that's the one. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, we'll take him. <laughs> and he is so whiny that you think he was a Siamese. <laughs> <laughs> And he he's very demanding, very vocally demanding. And if you don't pay attention to just the vocals, then he starts knocking stuff over. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, which just seems like a very Siamese thing to do. And it's like, you are just a street urchin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have pedigree in you anywhere. <laughs> I met a guy once at a party, told me this story. Um, he had a Maine Coon. And he decided, he and his wife decided to, to make the Maine Coon, who was indoor-outdoor, just an indoor cat. So they kind of made that change. But the Maine Coon twice threw itself through a plate glass window to escape. <laughs> and so finally they were like, you win. And now the cat yeah. was an indoor-outdoor again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. I mean, Gus is starting to play with the door handles. Uh, yeah. Figuring um, it testing, out. Testing. <laughs> He's figuring it out because they're not door like they're not all knobs. They're those lever ones, like handles. Yeah, handles. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually knows what they do, and it's so now we just have to keep them locked. <laughs> Mark and I are actually smiling at each other because that is exactly something that's coming up in the first issue. Is is oh. cats and door handles? Yes. So, yeah, cats and door handles. I mean, it's just so funny because it, you know, like. At first, it started slow. Like, he would just look at it. (laughs) I could see the gears in his head trying, you know, like the cartoon bubble over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that that thing does something that I want it to do. She touches it every time. Yes. (laughs) So I touch it. And it was kind of like, if I stare at it long enough, can I make it, like, (laughs) telekinetically work? You know, and then eventually they figure it out. And, but and he is. I do have to stop him from clawing screens, though, because yep. he does yeah, that. The worst. We're up on the what floor? Fourth floor. Fourth floor. And um, yeah, we have to keep the windows only so open because you know we just she'd be the yeah, type of cat to fall out and fall to the the street but not die, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to we have to monitor our screens. Uh, and it's not like she's like really going at him. She just sees a bird or something yeah, and she's like, she "Give me that excited. bird! Give me that bird!" Yeah, exactly. They just they get really, really excited. Yeah, because we have a, a balcony on the second mm. floor, and it's not screened, but it has railings. And sometimes they get really excited about chasing a bird or a bug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like, oh, my God, he's going to go over. Um, <laughs> because, like, I mean... Gus just would. He's he's adventurous. He's been on the roof a few times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm the one that goes out and gets to climb on the roof and get him. Um, <laughs> oh no. So, 
It's Yeah, because it's something, it was funny, because this cat that I had when I was a teenager, I had taught her to do that because she was she was outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so I taught her how to climb the tree and jump from one roof to the next to come oh, over wow. to my window oh, so that I could, like, sneak her inside. <laughs> and, you know, awesome. um, and, you know, so it was one of those things where she was super athletic and... And Gus is not as athletic as he <laughs> thinks he is. <laughs> he's getting there. I mean, he's definitely adventurous and loves to loves rock climbing. It's like, you know, when we take him to the park, he loves these big rocks that he can climb all over. Just yeah. the fact that you can take him places and, and take him on walks on a leash, I think is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really cool. I see those um, Bengal cats out. Something like people will take them. Yeah, they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always just like, I wish Ripley could could do that. She, we tried. We have a harness, and we've tried with her a couple times, but she's in the flop over mode, which we just need to be patient, you know, and just let her get used to it. But I'm just like, I don't want to forget about her, and she's like stuck, you know, somewhere, (laughs) flopped over, can't move, so. Yeah, if Gus did the belly crawl thing, like he thought right. that he could crawl right. out of the harness for, a, a, you know, the first couple of days, and then he got used to it. But that's why I think the strollers were great, because um, Oliver goes just in the stroller, and huh. um, but putting Gus in the stroller first, or on days when it's crappy weather, um, he gets to see the environment mm-hmm. first and he got used to where I would take him right. before before trying the harness. Smart. And cool. yeah, and I, I think that helped him. Um but yeah, they're really spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> All cats should be spoiled. I think I think when we're good and we get good karma we come back as house cats that get spoiled. Oh my god. Exactly. Love exactly. To be uh, I know a really spoiled house cat, or you know, like adventuring cat. There's, some, I mean, I follow some of these amazing cats on Instagram, where like the one lives on this boat. Like, yeah, it's yeah, he's like a Maine Coon looking one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen that guy. Like yeah. salty sea cat. Or yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And then this other cat that like goes on just like his human's little like little tiny outboard fishing boat and like helps go fishing and he has like the Nemo looking vest yeah the finding Nemo (laughs) (laughs) the life jacket it's awesome I'm like oh my god I don't I don't know if Gus would let me put a life jacket on Um, so how did you meet up with the team? So you had this amazing idea and you've got all of these incredible characters that have, that have backstories that that you're, you know, feeding in slowly, but you have, um, but you're the writers. Mm -hmm. So how did you find Beth and Autumn? Um, so our first step was to reach out to new friends. And so our friend Liz, um, Brooks met her at a con, Comic Con, and then she approached him at the airport. Right? And was like, hi, Mr. Pick. Um, <laughs> I had forgotten I'd met her. So this strange person was a costume meeting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got to talking. She was telling me about a webcomic she does. And so I knew she would know stuff about that. I mean, really, we were slash still are somewhat total newbies at this thing. Yeah. And so we said, hey, we're interested in talking to you about webcomics. She's like, oh, you have to meet my friend Al. And so we sat down and we talked to them and they just gave us some like really good starting advice, like how to approach artists and this and that. 
Um, that was actually really good stuff. Like, like having a lot of material ready before we started talking yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, not just being like, hey, you know, like, I have this idea, you know, uh, you know, like, in really that, being prepared. Yes, in that voice. Um, <laughs> and being, you know, but really being prepared. Yeah, with scripts and character sketches and, and, and just showing that we're serious about the project. Uh, but then we started, when we were, really, you know, earnestly looking for artists, I was doing all the right things, which never worked, and Margaret did something crazy, which, I which did, did work. I did, that did work, yeah. I mean, we kept looking at this, but, like... I was looking at, for instance, I was following the social media of art directors at um, comic publishers and book publishers, and I was looking on DeviantArt and just all the regular places where all the artists hang out, and not finding anything. Yeah, yeah, and you had a really specific style in your head or what you were looking forward to. Um, and so finally I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to check LinkedIn, uh, which when has LinkedIn ever helped any of us? Um, yeah, exactly. And like, are you kidding? I, right. And I just did a search artist, Seattle or comic book, I think artists, uh-huh. and not a lot of people came up and people that did come up, didn't really have their, their profiles together. Like they didn't have portfolios ready or links or anything. But Beth did show up, and she did have links and a portfolio, and we went and looked at And she didn't really have much comic art, um, but she had, like, a really good portfolio of all kinds of art. Her training is as a character designer, yeah, uh, both 2D and 3D. But she wanted to get into comics, it turned out. Yeah, yeah. And she had done one comic before, like, she'd worked with somebody on a comic. Uh, and so we approached her and she was like well this sounds exciting even though she's a dog person but she's really person. yeah she's a super like our cats looked a, li- a bit like dogs for a while oh, wow. and we had to be like oh this looks great but can you make it look like a little more like a cat well one of her side she has a lot of comics gigs and one of them is coloring um pugs. the comic pugs so oh, okay so occasionally when things are slightly rushed sorry about this beth um <laughs> Cats can be a little pug-like, and we just have to push back a bit. On yeah, that. yeah. But, but she's great. She, I mean, oh, and, and her wonderful. and her cats. Like you can tell, she's been studying ever since she started working with us, and working on her cats. Um, and and we're getting great motion and movement and looks out of um out of her now. Um, and so yeah, when it was it was a little tough in the beginning though because when we found her um and started talking to her, she was right at the beginning of a, a career transition. She was living here in Seattle. Um, and had a, a job she wasn't, like, too excited about, but she was offered a job, like, but she wasn't sure if she was going to get it in L.A. working for the, the guy. Working for Dave Kellett, yes. who uh-huh. is a webcomic yeah. creator. He does Drive and Pugs and... And there was another one. A Daily. Sheldon? Yeah, Sheldon. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and she colored for him, and he had an assistant position that may or may not have been opening up, and so she was sort of just suspended for a while. Yeah, like completely she, in limbo. You know, yeah, she just, like, couldn't... Um, I, did we Have we been, gotten started at that point? Did we have a couple pages from her already? Yes, yes yeah, we, we did. did. We did. And I had my schedule put together for the Kickstarter and everything, um, and I was able to push the Kickstarter out a little more, but I got to a point, um, and she did get the job, and she moved down there, and but eventually I got to the point where I was like, uh, we want to keep working with you, but we, we're getting to the point where we're not going to keep to the schedule. But then she was on it. She's like, nope, nope, I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then she's she's been great. She's been super reliable. Um, but but one compromise we made, it's not really a compromise, but she to help give oh, yeah. her more time, we found a separate colorist. She was going to do everything, pencils, inks, colors, uh, yeah. lettering, 
But time-wise. Yeah. She asked, I don't know if she asked, but we came up with the idea. We were like, hey, what if someone else colors? Will that will that make yeah. this easier and for then you? She was all about that. Our friend Al um, knew Autumn. Yeah, um, whom and we've never met, of course, because it's the yeah, in for, Yeah, in, in person. Yeah, it's the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did Skype with her once. Yeah, um, yeah she's and, in Virginia. And so, uh, so yeah, we... Um, Hired her and she's been great. I mean, they've been a great team. Um, uh, handing off, uh, Beth hands off the the inks and then she colors them, and we've been getting a page a week. Um, yeah, going steadily. Yeah, it's I been mean, great. We feel, and I also probably shouldn't say this publicly, we feel like like Beth is really on the cusp of, of great things, and we're going to lose her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually wondering about that because that when you said, oh, and then she got this, you know, maybe a job, and it's like, oh, no, you know where that story's going. Like, you yeah, know, the I'm, person disappears. Well, you know, actually, she's, she's been um, really committed um, and reliable, and we don't think she just kind of, like, poof. We think we love the idea of helping her um, – uh, at the beginning of her career and oh, her then moving on to bigger, yeah, better things. More power to her. She, uh, the things she can do with layouts. Oh, her uh, layouts are, are so are good. Just amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. She, I mean, definitely, definitely talented for sure. That's great. Um, and Autumn too. Um, she, uh, Autumn has a ton of her own work and comics out and stuff. She's, She's been doing this Halloween, um, series thing that I've been loving watching on Twitter. Yeah, it's like a, it's a drawing a day for October or something like is that. It? Yeah. It's oh, little, like ink, Inktober? Ink, Inktober, yes, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. 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 And it's this that. little pumpkin child thing with hooves. It's awesome. I love it. Aw. That sounds great. Yeah, I love when you find that perfect combination of people that work really well together. Yeah. I got to, I got to do that, too. I felt like a matchmaker. I was like, oh, your pencils with your inks. This is great. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and I got to pair people up. I'm like, this is wonderful. And then I see them off doing other things without me. And I'm oh. like, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and something that we're really happy to do and we um, were very adamant about doing was being able to pay um, our artists. Like, we didn't want to do the, the, hey, work for us for free and maybe yeah. we'll have some money someday. Um, we really think creative people should get paid for their work. Uh, and so that's why we did the Kickstarter was like, we, we had a little money that we fronted, um, to get six pages ready for the Kickstarter, but it was ultimately to raise the money to pay the artists for the pages. Issue. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask if you somehow like had the whole thing done and then, you know, like, you know, were able to pay yourself back or whatever, uh, but. Well, we actually but, <laughs> did. We, um, we were able to reimburse Brooks for those six pages, but we weren't able to pay ourselves. Um, that'll come someday. Yeah, yeah, but that's not um, like we will. We hired a, a friend for social media and stuff, and you know we'll we'll hire people for marketing um, because that's what you need to do to be able to get to the, the point where you can make money to pay yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd rather invest in those people so we long term have you know an income someday. Yeah, I mean so that's well. The- that's um, actually leads up to what I was going to ask you, though, about the Kickstarter, was if you managed that whole thing yourself. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, because I'd done a Kickstarter before, I had done two. I did one. My first one was for somebody, and I just failed miserably at it. I was asked to do it in a really short amount of time. I was like, hey, sure, I'll try this out. Um, but I learned a lot about it in the process. And then my first one was successful. And then so for this one, um, I'm I'm really good when it comes to like the producer project management stuff. Like I can keep track of a lot of small pieces to a bigger whole. Um, and so I created the schedule. Um, 
did a lot of the coordinating and the communications, wrangling writers and artists, um, Brooks being the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, I'd say firmly but sweetly, stayed on top <laughs> of people for deadlines and stuff. Um, and we made the video. I love making videos, um, so I can... I can do that too. Brooks is our graphic designer. Um, our our, our not as super talented. No, you're designer. good. You're better our, than you're better than you say. You I'm are. free, and you get what you pay for. Yes, but yes, and I stay <laughs> on top of him for those deadlines yeah. too. I mean, I think I think the thing about a Kickstarter campaign is is it takes a lot of work and a ton of detail to create something that looks very simple and easy. Yes, yeah. But, but behind any good campaign are dozens of spreadsheets and. Google Docs. Google Docs and emails and I mean I spent I mean a ton of graphic design and just making little little graphical bugs and things and just making a really nice coherent package so people can see, oh yeah, these people um know what gonna, they're doing. Are gonna follow through on the project that I'm yeah. funding. Yeah. Because um, it's speculative. You know, it's not like certain projects where it's like most most comics Kickstarters are written and done and they just want to take them to print. So you yeah. know it's there and if you just get them the money They'll they'll get you your comic. Yeah. We were coming from the position of hey, it's not even done yet, yeah. and people have to give a lot more trust to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we had. I've seen that, to- and I've and I've seen that fail miserably, where people didn't. You know, it would be like a year, two years later, and folks are complaining, like you know, where the heck is yeah. this book? Yeah. So you know, you guys are doing it. You know, because you're doing it like a web comic and putting it out um, timely. People know that you're, you know, that you're there. And yeah, yeah, and that's why we wanted to have six pages done um, yeah, sure right at the beginning. Be like, hey, look, we, we got this far. We can we can keep going. Plus, it's full of pictures of kittens. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and yeah, and there's also a lot of prep work ahead of time um, to get your community ready. Um, that's the thing about Kickstarter is um, you have to like earn like at least 25% of your goal within the first couple of days. Like that's kind of like the equation. And so you people need to be ready um, when you launch. And so we had to start, I don't know, when did we start? Like a few months ahead of the launch where we just start to post regularly uh, and talk about the comic and just get people excited. And then like the... And then you prime your very close friends and be like, look, this is happening on this day and you're going to put some money in there. Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) Um, And and yeah, so you have to send out, like we create, I create um, a three-tiered list. Um, The first tier um, are people that you're really comfortable with just directly being like, hey, the day that I launch... I need you to pledge. Thank you. I love you, Dad. You know, it's like it's your yeah, family exactly. and really close friends <laughs> yeah, and whatever. Yeah. And then there's tier two where it's your message is more like, "Hey, I'm I'm launching this thing. Anything you could do to help would be great. Cool. Thanks. I can't wait to catch up with you." And and actually, that's a really great thing that I loved about when I, I figured out my during my first campaign is that it's great to actually get in touch with all these friends uh, and, and, and you find yourself writing to people you haven't talked to in maybe a few years and there's a lot of catching up that happens yeah, regardless yeah. of the project and they're, and they're totally excited for you and like you know people aren't like you're I think the that people are worried you're, they're going to be like, okay, you know, they're going to think you're a salesman or something. Um, but no, these people care about you and they want to support you. And then tier three people are like maybe people you don't know as well, but um, you feel comfortable enough on the day that you launch 
just being like, hey, I started this campaign, you know, like, check it out. Check it out. Um, and so that that's a lot of prep work, too, is creating those lists and then actually writing the messages because I don't spam. Like, I don't just write one message. Like, I'll have, like, my bit that everybody gets, but I make sure that I write something a little personal to each person. And so that's a lot of messages. Yeah, so in that case, between us, it's probably 100 people at least. So it's a lot of work. That's the takeaway. So much work. But it's worth it. Yeah, I I haven't, um, because I haven't done the back end of a, a Kickstarter before, I've been involved with, projects that ran through Kickstarter. Mm. Um, so I didn't know what, you know, I have no idea what the back end of it looks like. And um, is it is it easy to do that kind of emailing that way? Or is it just like you export your list and then you're using your own, um, you know, Outlook or Gmail or whatever? Uh, yeah, I use my own Gmail. Sometimes yeah. it's on Facebook. Um, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, it on there's Facebook. A lot of Facebook yeah. messages. I wouldn't call it easy but it's just a little tedious and what i would always do is i throw on a a, what i call a background movie you know and i just put my feet up get my laptop and then i just you know send one message after another and and knock a few out one thing though um for fulfillment we had um people getting thank you emails from the cats Mm -hmm. uh and i was all about doing them individually like each cat sends one email to each person um and i got i got a decent amount through before I was finally like I'm never gonna because we had 500 backers yeah and that's when I was just like I, you know I, I got so far when I was finally like all right I gotta clump some of these together because I'll we'll just never finish this will be my new job you know <laughs> it was, yeah. is being cat yeah. saying thank you to people <laughs> yeah well I noticed that all of the cats have twitter um yeah so I I look forward to their I don't know their tweets their antics, yeah, yeah. We're yes. still we're we're trying to build the general audience before we really get those going. Um, yeah, but yeah, we've got plenty of of banter. But it's good you reserved the name, you know, the yeah, names yeah. you wanted, and I see um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. litter breath. That's <laughs> yeah, it was surprising. There were some really good ones out there. Like we were. Cause I remember you, Margaret, were hunting for the names. I'm like, oh, I got, I got litter breath, and I, you know, honestly, I would have thought litter breath would have been taken. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and you but came yeah, up with foldtastic. So I was like, foldtastic, got right. fold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's great, and like you said, you know, you want to um, have a good marketing plan and stuff when when you're ready. So, what's the schedule like um, as far as the the book and everything? So now we're right on track, a page a day. We So we built up a, a bank of four pages. Five, actually. Five. Five pages. Uh, I would have liked ten because I'm neurotic, but yeah. we got five pages yeah. banked. So so if for some reason we uh, our artists fall behind a week or two, we have pages to rely on so we can make sure we can get yeah. a page out a week. And, and I always I always hear, and I, it's definitely true, that in web comics in particular, uh that steady, predictable release schedule is, is key yeah. to, to keeping your audience. And, and I'm honestly, I'm impatient. You know, I want to get the whole thing out there. I want people to read it. So if we, on schedule, we finish up this issue. Um, end, end of February. End of February. Um, like the artists will be done probably early February, but we'll be done yeah, releasing end of February. Out. So then, um, February, March, uh, we'll probably, that'll be when we're, we're starting to package it together to get it printed for everybody. Yeah, because a lot of the backers get, get a print copy as well. But, yeah. But everyone can read it for free as it comes out. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's on my mind now is 
to make sure we get going on issue two so that there's not a gap. Yeah, uh, so we we actually want to start issue two um, like well before issue one is done, um, because then it'll it'll just take you know forever to be like a a comic a year. Um, So we want to hire another artist um, to to do uh, issue two. Um, uh, While Beth is working on issue one. And then she'll go straight to issue three would be the idea. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so like as soon as she's yeah, as soon as she's done with issue one, she'd go on to issue three. And this is our plan, but we have to raise more money, and that's why we're gonna um, move to Patreon. Like we're gonna keep um, the issue free, and then just have early access um, on Patreon, and as well as uh, you know sketches and script stuff and behind the scenes, behind the scenes and Q and A and all those things. And when in doubt, just throw a cat video up there. Yep, yep, just cat videos. Cat videos. I mean, we're recording video uh, Ripley all the time, just in case. Of course, but she always stops doing cute scenes just as, start, as soon as we start recording, so we're not getting, we're getting right. a lot of dead videos. <laughs> right, we'll see. Then you need, like, the Ripley fan club so that other people can submit their videos. That's good. And, <gasps> you know. Oh, my God, that's great. We're gonna, thank you. <laughs> yes, I will send you a video of Gus trying to open the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that sounds great. <laughs> um... Yeah, so with so since you're changing um, artists and and platforms, that's a big change altogether. Um, is the story going to be continuous, or, or like you know when issue one is done, then you're going to start with like new cats and a new story? Oh, or oh, it's going to be more episodic. Yeah, I I view this as a sitcom kind of. Yeah, uh, you know okay. that that there are these so it's like Seinfeld but with cats. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's this bunch of quirky people and it's a place where other characters can kind of pass through and and so the story in issue one will be a, a discrete story and the story in issue two will be a new story with the same characters yeah and we'll just focus we'll shift focus from different characters to get yeah to bring out bring out other personalities other. and we're, we're still going to stay on tumblr and and tapas um and whatnot so it'll stay free there um and then we'll just we'll just be like hey people you want issue two help us out on Patreon, but yes, we're we're starting to work on getting. Well, we've been working on getting Patreon ready um, for that. And so, issue one, uh, as is already apparent, mainly focuses on Marmalade and Vincent. But issue two is going to be a Ripper and Jelly. Well, it's it's a Ripper and Hank, yeah. and then a Jelly and Nigel B story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll get in, get into the, all those characters a little more. And so, yeah, this one is. Um, the first one is A story is Marmalade and Vincent, and then the B story is Jasmine. Jasmine, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so now now before I, I change the subject, though, I, I need to ask your backstory of how someone who's a museum curator mm. and pop culture expert meets an anthropologist mm. and just, <laughs> uh, who worked with monkeys and decides to take <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't at a bar, surprisingly. Um, um, or a museum. <laughs> Um, I was uh, getting ready to graduate with my MFA, and we uh, I was working with um, one of the professors there. Um, it's called like a directed research elective, but it was really just do whatever you want to do. And so our mutual friend, Wanda Gregory, um, just she was awesome. She just started um, putting me in touch with all these people she knew in different industries in Seattle and just getting me all these uh, informational interviews. Uh, and then she um, said, hey, I know 
I know this curator at, at the museum. I was like, sure, I'll meet him. Uh, and then he didn't get back to me really after the first email. <laughs> I was, I was in the middle of the opening. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, there was a lot going on. But I bugged him again a week after and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, as soon as we met, we just immediately started talking about creative projects. We, cause I was trying to get a job. Uh, and I was immediately like, he's not gonna help me get a job. But we just, we just hit it <laughs> off and anyway. we were talking about all our, our writings and personal projects mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so, yeah, and then it was just our life together uh, that brought us. And, and you know, I had my novel um, that that we worked on together. Um, you're you're my editor. Um, yep. And so we we immediately just um, yeah we found we could work well together on really well like, assisting each other's projects. Yeah. So so I think it was never a question about oh let's let's collaborate on something. Yeah. Uh, and see how that goes, and um, and it goes great. Surprisingly. <laughs> and so let's talk about this novel, though, because like you, you mentioned before, you did also um, fund that through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a novel is so incredibly different than a comic. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if you can and you still have time, I want to hear about how that Kickstarter project worked. So that, um, it is different. Um, and it's, when it comes to the structure of, you know, preparing, executing, and then fulfillment, it's pretty much the same. But yeah, the, the project and the content is different. It was actually a little easier for me to engage my audience when it came time to be like engaging them, like I think six months before, um, I launched or something like that. Um, I was blogging twice a week. It was easier because, there were just so many, there's so many things going on in my novel that I could just start talking about this thing or that thing. This character. What, what is the title of this novel? Mara? Oh yeah, I have, um, it's called the alchemist theorem, uh, the alchemist theorem, which is the, the series. And the first book is Sir Duffy's promise. And, and who's the audience for this novel? Uh, uh, middle, middle grade readers, but, but more adults have read it than, than yeah. kids at this yeah. point. Um, and so it has uh, an autistic protagonist, um, and, and... What kind of novel is it? It's a fantasy novel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy novel, and but that's um, one of the, the big differences um, between the book and the, the comic is um, the book's audience is a little harder to find, um, it, we're cats, like a cat audience. Yeah, that's I mean, way I mean, cats more. Cats on the internet. Cats are way. Yeah, more, way yeah, more general. Yeah, um, and yeah. so, um, my my backers for that were mostly from my my community. And people come out of the woodworks, like you know, people I haven't seen in years. Um, neighbors in the town I grew up, you know, uh, grew up in, uh, um, backed me. And then it hit a little vein. Um, somewhere within Kickstarter newsletter, and that brought in um, a, a lot of outside backers from my outside my community. I think it strikes a chord with uh, school librarians and teachers. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of interest there. Yeah, yeah, I reached out um, for them. Um, I did a lot of individual emails to um, school librarians. Um, I just started looking for. I would just pick a state, pick a, a district for the public school. See if they had easy access. Like sometimes you, it's easy to find a librarian's email address. Sometimes it's not. And I would just find them, make up a list, and then reach out to everybody individually and let them know about my book. And I, I got um, a, a 
I can't see how many sales exactly I got from it, but I got a good amount of sales. And my books are in random schools <laughs> across the country. Um, and so, yeah, that Kickstarter um, was was successful, and uh, but you know maybe not as successful as the second one. But I feel like you know your first one, and then the second one kind of doubles. You know, like I'm not describing this well. Yeah, but also I think audience really makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, I think it's hard to compete with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because, like, There's a cat in my book. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I, I didn't cat. sell him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't sell him as and a main he's named character. Butter, which Butter. I love. Yeah. Aww. But for the, now, what, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so the, was the process um, different? Because I've seen a couple people have uh, novels on Kickstarter. Um and especially people who do a series, then they've already got this built-in community and fan base and everything. So what was your manuscript completely done and, like, you were just ready to print? Or, or yeah. were you – okay. It, it was pretty much done. I think it might – I think we did a couple more proofreading passes. Yeah, but it was complete. And yeah. also we had the art. So Margaret found yeah. this great artist uh, whose um, nickname is Poo Poo. <laughs> uh, he lives in Thailand. And – he did these wonderful illustrations, and I think, you know, having that really, really helped. Yeah, like, especially getting people excited um, about the launch and, and the publication of the book. Um, starting to sh- Like, having art is just one of the, the best assets you can have. So it's, it's similar to The Unadoptables in that, in that Margaret fronted that money to get that art yeah. um, in order to help really make the Kickstarter shine, and, and it paid off, you know, yeah. because yeah. It, she was able to reimburse herself for that. I mean, Kickstarter, when it goes well... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So much work. But, yes, it sounds like a lot of work. But you're also being paid to 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 find your audience, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. And in, in a way that doesn't feel like tacky. Yeah, or, like you're or, not spamming or anything. Because yeah. I mean, I think um, some strategies are out there. It's just put your book in someone's hand. And there's lots of people out there who will just kind of read books, but they're not necessarily your audience, so they're not going to like your book. Like I actually had um, this guy review my book. Um, and he didn't tell me that he actually doesn't like that genre. He didn't like the genre, and he didn't he didn't really get it. And so even though he kind of spun it as a positive review, it was very negative. Um, but you could tell it's because he just doesn't like kids' books. Um, mm-hmm. And so I learned that lesson. Which the, I mean, mm-hmm. the review doesn't really it doesn't they don't really affect you um, when it's just kind of these individual sites that do reviews because it's not. They don't write reviews for the for a specific audience. It's when people are searching for your book. They want to like, hey, what do people think about this book? That's when they come across reviews. But part of your, the funding that you did also went to something like Kirkus, which is huge and expensive. Yes, very expensive, but that was totally worth it. Um, and, and not everybody has that experience, I think, especially for the self-published ones, because um, you, you can decide not to have your review published if it's bad. Um, okay. And I think mostly, like, people are lucky to get neutral reviews, um, yeah. and they'll still kind of post them. And I got a positive one. I got, like, a glowing one, um, which – and I wasn't worried about getting a bad one. I think I would. I was just more worried I'd get a neutral one. Um, but, yeah, because honestly, I've read some of them, and they just kind of read more like a summary. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what they do to be nice. Um, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like unless it's just – if it's bad, they'll, I think they tell you if it's bad. Um, but if it's just like an mm-hmm. okay book, I think they just do the summary. Um, and so that, that review was uh, totally worth the investment. Um, 
because that review got my foot in the door in a lot of places with reviewers, with, with librarians, um, independent publishers. Like I reached out to all these independent or not publishers, bookstores. I reached out to all these independent bookstores and they didn't buy a copy, but they listed it as what's it called? Order on order or something like that. Oh, like like this pre-order. Yeah, yeah. yeah like an on, it's like a, a status where like they can order it order it for you if you want it. Um, oh, like they, a special order. Yeah, yeah. special order. order. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and and so yeah, it was worth it to have um, that positive review and, and to do that investment. You just don't know. You just don't know what you're gonna get. Um, well, but you. You, I actually, you believed in your book. I did. I knew. I'm oh. like. I'm like. This is a good book. So that's why I wasn't that worried about getting a bad review. Um, and so, so yeah, I'll do it again for the second one, and I'll be a little like, <laughs> I hope it's just good. Um, but it'll it'll be fine. I'm almost done with the second book too. I'm like thirty thousand words away from the the second draft um, of the first book. But I because of the comic, I haven't been working on the book, so it's nagging me. All my characters are sitting in a lot of land. And they're mad at me. And they're like, get us out of here. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that sounds like you have a, you do have a lot on your, your plate, though. And is Brooks helping edit the second one as well? Yeah. Um, he doesn't do the first pass. Um, my brother-in-law does the first pass. And it's just like a general, like, hmm, this is weird. Why do you have this happen? Um, and, like, kind of continuity stuff. Um, and then I'll do revisions and kind of like, I have to usually add stuff too, um, like do, do some more writing, flesh some things out and then he'll do a more copy edit pass. Yeah, more of a, yeah. Like really like pass. dig into it and be like, you know, this sounds weird. You need to make this better. That's great though, that you've, you know, you have these connections. For that, sure. Uh, you know, talented people are around you. That's so wonderful. Ah, we love it. Um, okay so it's interesting to hear that you're switching to patreon too um now uh with i have the patreon as well so Mm -hmm. you have you know all kinds of different tiers or or you can make it really simple and just say you know uh, you know five dollars a month or a dollar a month gets you this but you can have different kinds of reward levels so do you already know what you're planning yeah, we've got it all pretty well mapped out. I mean, um, we're keeping it simple. We only going to have three levels to start with. Um, okay. The one dollar level gets you thanks and early access. Um, Five bucks and ten bucks, I think, is what we put down. Yeah. And and we we sort of have this big brainstorm list, and we're starting to whittle it down. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I always like uh, behind the scenes materials because it's it's an, a lovely side effect of having two artists is that. Um, when Beth finishes her inks, she draws all these notes, notes. all yeah. over them for Autumn as to what's happening where and what colors and, and just things like that. So showing things like that mm-hmm. I think will be cool. We're going to get Beth to record some of her doing her drawing uh, and show Maybe. that. I love the time lapse of artists. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think those are probably um, I could watch this yeah. all the time. I love watching people draw, first of all. It's amazing. But, um, yeah, Thomas Boatwright uh, recorded his making of my last book cover oh cool and it was so cool because i mean it was it was just the screen so i didn't get to actually watch him draw but um but even just seeing the screen process was was pretty wicked yeah and then i set it to like you know really spooky music (laughs) (laughs) what else is on the list um oh so for the five dollar level well it's it's the early access it's the um uh, Q and A, 
um, uh, what's it? Giveaways, maybe? Yeah. No, yeah. no, I think giveaways are, no, those are for everybody. Or maybe. I don't know. But I know that, I it's mean. It's not really organized. No, right? it's, it's a lot of, um, of the interactive stuff. So we, we give mm-hmm. a lot of material. We do a lot of interacting. Um, and then the $10 level is the same, um, as well as the early access. And the $10, um, level is the same. Um, but they also get access to a physical, a monthly physical reward, reward yeah. that I just have to do a cost analysis on before we're... Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about that because um, I, that's the main complaint I've heard of people running Kickstarters is yeah. that they never actually make enough money I'm, because of shipping. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. very strict. And so like one of the reasons Brooks and I work so well together is because we're different and we kind of pull each other to the middle. And so I'm very much like, you know, we're not spending any money on anything and, and we, we need all the money for us. And he's like, no, no, we need to give people things. Um, and we meet in the middle where we're, we're providing cool things that people actually want, but still making sure we're, we're having a profit. We always, we always make sure we have, and by profit, we mean the money to pay the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you have to raise the money you need to do the thing you say yeah. you're going to do. And yeah. so that's what, um, the cost analysis is for. And so what I do is I look into, the cost to make the item um, and the cost to ship it. And then we also take time, our time, into account. Yeah, we have to think about our time. That's like, like the thank you emails. Obviously, I was not thinking about my time. Um, but um, And so I, I create a spreadsheet. And you have to estimate a lot of costs, too, especially with shipping, because you don't know where exactly you're going to be shipping to. Um, and then I, I make sure that we you know, do all the calculations and we're making an actual profit of some kind to put into what it is we're saying we're going to do. Um, and so I'm very, uh, very stern mm-hmm. about that, um, making sure that we're not going to just either lose money or break even because I don't even like the idea of breaking even. We need to, to make sure we're... No, you need to make a living. I yeah. mean, this is, you know, it's a job. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a job. And it's good to have a little buffer um, for yeah. contingency and things like that. Mm-hmm. So love buffer. I love building buffer into schedule. Well, you do. I mean, Money. there's yeah. no <laughs> there's no sick days when you're freelance. Exactly. I mean, you know. yeah. 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 And so, not to not to derail us, but uh, do you do physical wards, and how do you handle that? I I don't for that reason. Um, I did I did for the first novel because I was so excited and I was so grateful for the Patreon backers. <laughs> so I did it. Um, not based on reward tier, but in Patreon, uh, you can sort and see like people's cumulative amounts. So I did it based on like, you know, X, people who have given X amount and above, oh, I sent cool. them physical copies. Um, but then I just stuck with digital copies after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, mainly because the idea of, of having to ship a whole bunch of stuff terrifies me. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, I'm also very anti that, um, and that's something we'll, we'll, I don't know if argues the word debate, we'll, we'll debate. But, but so for the Kickstarter, we do have a lot of physical rewards, but we just arranged it as all uh, create undemand stuff through print bubble, uh, print bubble, red bubble, which will drop mm-hmm. ship. Straight away. So all we have yeah. to do is enter an order. Yeah, and I did the same for my book. Um, instead of doing um, print on demand, like through Amazon or something, I worked with a um, printing house in in Dexter, Michigan, called Thompson Shore, uh, and 
for with them working with them, I just put the spreadsheet together with everybody's addresses and I submit it and they ship everything out. They shipped all the books out to everybody. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very big on like I feel a lot of fulfillment services out out there are really expensive. Um, that, that specifically yeah, work. I don't know how people make yeah, that. I mean they they want so, and they want percentages and stuff too. And I'm just like I can't do it. And so I like to find these ways where you know we're not using a one of those fulfillment services, but we can still have some some way to fulfill ourselves without having to fill our home with boxes and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I did think that you had some really clever rewards for oh. the unadoptables, you know, with, like, uh, the cat-printed, like, jammies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Know, like, you. you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, so you're not sitting uh, – because I know one of the things that especially artists do is they don't realize that they're going to have to sit there and, like – um, maybe sign and sketch 500 yeah. <laughs> copies yeah. of things. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, when it comes to being the writer, it definitely is a, a different kind of world. But this um, means, I mean, I so it does know. mean that we're not offering things you commonly see with art and comics-related projects, like, yeah, individual little drawings or sketches and things, which I think are, are lovely rewards or incentives but we can't afford it. We couldn't afford it. Yeah, that's we, that's we, the we thing. Have to pay basketball that yeah, if we were the artists, um, which we are not, um, then that would make things a lot easier. But we're not going to ask um, our artists uh, or the artists to do stuff for free for us. We'd have to pay them, and then that just kind of like. Well, and, and even paying her though, I mean, if we suddenly need as as you're saying, Amber, like 500 doodles. Yeah, right. yeah. She doesn't, I mean, you know. And then that's time that she's also right. not, yeah, she's not yeah. working on the comic. Yeah. We need her on the comic. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Simple. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so I did, I, I thought your rewards were really clever and, and unique. Um, but, so let's um, run through your links and everything and where to find you. Like, you mentioned that you're on Tumblr and Facebook and everything. So let's just... I know sometimes it's hard to get, like, the exact same name all the time, which is my problem. I have a different name on every platform. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so where's, where's your, you know, like, the, the places that you definitely want people to hit up? So we're at the unadoptables.tumblr.com. Um, yeah, we were actually, because there's, there's, like, a, a shelter somewhere that uses this name, the unadoptables, that we had to compete with for a while. But mm-hmm. but we, we, we were able to defeat them. Um then we have um, the tapas.io um, slash series slash the unadoptables. We got it there, too. But with tapas, it's easy enough to just go to tapas.io and search for us. Okay. And, and I would say if you're if someone's not used to Tumblr, tapas is the way to go to read the comic. It's, it has a really good user interface. Yeah. And then um, social media, Twitter and Facebook, it's just at um, the unadoptable cats. We, we weren't lucky there. Yeah. They, they got us there. Um, and what about Facebook? Yeah, that's the same. You can do the same at the Unadoptable Cats and find oh, us. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I did. I did see that at first. I looked up Unadoptables and I was like, "Oh, that's not them." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we're we're starting to beat them a little. We're starting to. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be counter against our, our purpose because we're we're. Yeah. Crushing cat shelters. Yeah, well, we actually, um, once we build a bigger audience, um, I plan to work with local cat shelters, like where we can feature a cat profile to our audience, yeah, you know, and be yeah. like, hey, look at this guy. He needs a home. Um, but we just don't have the audience right now. 
Um, yeah, I just randomly do that, like, for fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, <laughs> I just go to go to pet finder and i'll pick like a theme sometimes oh, so i'll cool. go through like all the names of people from like parks and rec and I'll just oh, that's like, cool. <laughs> there's like a ron swanson bulldog or something yes. and, and like i said that captain america one-eyed cat <laughs> like, i'm so like this great. is great so um yeah so every once in a while you'll just see me tweet like this whole stream of, <laughs> of uh lonely animals that need homes mm-hmm. Um, and I and I still um, constantly share the info whenever I can from uh, the Franklin Township Shelter uh, and Second Chance for Animals, which is the volunteer group that runs it, um, where Gus came from. Aww. So because they were so nice, they honestly and they do like fun stuff, like they have Santa Claus pictures and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So uh, good. I you know and uh, I look forward to. To seeing more of your work and charity stuff and info on on all of that, because I know that's obviously you can't talk about rescuing cats without mentioning the shelters that are out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, especially all the ones we've gone to right. looking for our cats. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. we've got like probably five. <laughs> we can be like, mm-hmm. maybe you'll have better luck than we did. <laughs> Get there Seriously, fast. I I think I wrote like seven thousand words on the time that I had trying to adopt. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, they make it harder than, than I think getting a kid. Yeah. Some of them. It is, it's, it's quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It really, it's not as easy as you think. And it's like, look, aren't they just homeless? Like, I have a, you know, right. I have a house and there's right. food. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, growing up, all our cats just showed up, you know. Yeah. So just, we, I think we it, lived in the country. Yeah, it, yeah, I lived in the country. So I think it just made it seem like it was easy. It's like, oh, your cat is yeah. just there. And I kept expecting to, okay, I'm ready for a cat. I'm just going to come across one on the street. But these are just ended up being outdoor cats, and I was going to steal people's cats. I had to be like, oh, my God, Brooks, look at this cat. He's like, it's perfectly healthy, and it has a collar. Don't touch it. <laughs> you know, don't take yeah. it home. <laughs> yeah, ours, it was funny. It either came from, like, friends whose cats had litters, or mm-hmm. um, and those were ones that we had that, that uh, the one lived pretty old. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I can remember it used to be the thing to hang them in the, like, the A&P or, or the yeah, yeah, bulletin yeah, board yeah. that said, like, free cats. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and so it was just like, you know, or there'd be a kid out front with a box. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was just like sucker written across your forehead. <laughs> I knew a guy who, uh, how he got his cat was at work, a coworker brought in a box of kittens and said, yep. look at these great kittens. At the end of the day, I'm taking them to the kill filter. <gasps> Oh, so they all got taken home. oh wow! That's emotional blackmail, but but come on, I'm sure they all love but their cat. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, it's so true. So we, yeah, we also got lucky that Gus and Oliver got along really well. So, oh yeah, I mean that's that's my biggest worry. We would love to to get a companion for Ripley to beat up instead of beating up us. <laughs> yes. but, but if they didn't get yeah. along, yikes! I know, I know well, what kind of cats yeah. they get though. Um, she needs a subordinate male who's, like, okay with being her subordinate, um, mm-hmm. who's, like, laid back. Like, that was the cat she was originally pair-bonded with. Um, okay. I think, like, any kind of, like, um, hi, like high-personality alpha cat, you know, they'd just be at it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, that was the thing, like, when Oliver came into the picture, because it, it was a typical story of, like, can you just cat sit for four weeks? <laughs> um, Oliver came into the picture, and I had Keiko, and she was already very old, mm. and, like, just wanted to be left the hell alone, and, like, literally every day she went to work with me, which meant she got off the bed, and after eating, she came over, she had a pillow on the desk, and she laid on the desk all day, and that's what she did. Um, and so Oliver was this demonic kitten. <laughs> he was he was just unbelievable like you said you know some people just don't want kittens and you forget you forget what it's like mm-hmm. those kitten years and he was just terrible he was just <laughs> yeah. terrible and then when she died it was like a switch went off and suddenly he became like a grumpy old man oh. what happened he grew up instantly and it was it was just bizarre how quickly Oliver just like overnight grew up, and then we brought Gus home, and they it, he basically like stole Gus for the first couple weeks. I was like, I'm gonna have to go out and get myself another cat. Uh. Oliver stole him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now they now they're really good about like they have they have playtime and then they have like tons of alone time. Mm. Like you know they each have their own relationship. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Like you know they each have their own rooms, but they're you know because they're similar in age. I think that's really like the big mm. difference. They're only a year mm-hmm, apart. Mm-hmm. So they can wrestle and tear each other, you know, apart and like I mean it's constant wrestling and then it's then then it's quiet for hours while there's mm, Yeah, nap time's our favorite time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what the you know, it's just like having kids where they're like, yeah. You get your sleep yeah. when yeah. you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you have no idea. Because when Gus is awake, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> But so, okay, well, I have kept you guys like long enough and I've appreciated it because like I said, I could talk about Kevin. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've enjoyed it. It's been great. Thank you so much. I've, lo- I've loved it. And so I look forward to, you know, hearing the news of, uh, well, more about when issue one, of course, and, um, you know, and then whenever the Patreon gets going. So you can you can definitely count on, on Gus being part of the Yay! That's awesome. And we're looking forward to Gus Adventures. Yeah, got to check that out. Yeah, they get they they go from like ridiculous to <laughs> we live we live out in the country yeah. here, so there's there's a lot of creepy stuff here. Um, well, thank you so much, guys. So, um, all of you listeners, don't forget to check out Unadoptable Cats, and um, they're on all these great websites, and they're very accessible on Twitter and Tumblr and all of those places, and. Um, of course, you know, if you are looking for a cat, the easiest place to do is, like, go to Pet Finder. Um, or if you need help, just follow me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter, and I will constantly be tweeting out. 